Welcome. You must believe. You must dream. God can turn your marriage around. How many of you believe that? All right. Wow, that's a great response. We've got 50%. That's about the statistics of the divorce statistics in America today. How many of you believe that God can always turn your marriage around? Help me out. Thank you so much. Woo! Now I know I'm speaking on this series on God's plan for marriage. Can you imagine building or remodeling a home without a plan saying, hey, let's just wing it. No sensible person would think of starting without a well-thought-out plan or maybe a blueprint from an architect. Yet many couples try to build their marriages without consulting the master architect design for that divine institution we call marriage. The result? Two people hammering away under the same roof trying to build a model marriage based on two different sets of incomplete and imperfect plan and designs. It is often a mess. Folks will come to my office and as they come to the office they realize that, you know what, we've made it here because of a couple reasons. One, we're suffering within our marriage. Excuse me. And today we're going to make some changes. Today our changes are going to be made and we're going to invest in one another. Listen, women, Sometimes we put our focus in our children. Sometimes we put our focus in our careers. Oftentimes we put our focus in siblings or our our parents. And we lose that perspective. Men, hunting isn't more important than your wife, than your family. Fishing isn't more important. Doing extracurricular activities. Find something to do together. Yeah, you go, but you're married to my wife. I need that breakaway. Well, hopefully after this addition, your makeover will change your life and it will change your home. I know as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the, the seminars my wife and I have attended and we've been to, marriages are suffering across America. And it's very, very sad to me as a pastor as I stand before people and they say a bow and they make a commitment or an oath. But yet, they don't fulfill that vow or that commitment that was made either a year ago, five years ago, 15 years ago. It's important. Respect. Honor. That's what we need. Current divorce statistics in America is estimated at 50%. This data is not accurately correct. However, it is reasonably close to actual. The Americans for Divorce Reform estimates that probably 40 or possibly even 50% of marriages will end in divorce if current trends continue, which is actually a projection. Commonly said, 50% of all marriages in America end in divorce. But this statement about the divorce statistics in America hides all the details about distribution. I want to show you at age at marriage for those age at marriage for those who divorce in America. Under 20 years old, women 27.6%. Men under the age of 20, 11.7%. 
20 to 24 years of age. 36% for women, 38% for men. 25 to 29 years of age, 16.4% for women, 22.3%. 30 to 39 years old goes from 8% to 5% to men at 11% to 6%. After 40, we realize we're just sticking with it. Amen? Watch this. Here are statistics about marriages. First marriage, 45 to 50% marriages end in divorce. The second marriages, 60 to 67% of marriages end in divorce. Third marriages, 70 to 73% of marriages end in divorce. The divorce rate in America for first marriage is 41%. Second is 60 and then the third is 73%. I found this really moving because as I was going through this study and I, and I was researching this out, I, I couldn't believe and I couldn't help but think how moving it was to, to look at some of these statistics and realize that, listen to this, the ratio for couples with children versus couples without children. Couples with children, 40%. Couples without children are 66%. It's higher. The lowest divorce rate in America is Massachusetts. The highest state of divorce rate is Nevada. And uh, go figure. Um, the median age of divorce rate for males is 30 and a half and females is 29 years of age. And, uh, and I'll stop there. You know, it's amazing because as I was studying, I won't go down through some of these other statistics, but um, the National Health Center statistics said in 2009 and 2010 that 50% also stated that divorce is very high. 4,067 marriages took place in 2010 and 2,312 divorced. Isn't that sad? I mean, to think that over 50%, you have 4,000 marriages and 2,300 of them divorce. How sad is that? And I think that in America today, we pastors don't spend enough time teaching about marriage. When's the last time you reached out and just touched your wife, put your arm around her? held her close, said she was special. And I want you teenagers to listen to something. As we go into this study, I want you to start praying right now that God will give you a godly man or a godly woman for your relationship. I remember when I was 13 years of age, that's when I started praying for a wife. At 13, I started praying that God would give me a wife. Not just a wife, but a Christian wife. And I'll tell you something, knowing that I was called to preach at age 15 years of age, it has meant so much to me that my wife has been on this journey with me. It's been difficult for her. There were times when she said, another youth department, are you kidding me? But once we got in there and got involved, it was rewarding. 
And there has been hardship. But knowing that I prayed has always been important to me to realize that, you know what, what would I do without a wife that didn't walk beside me, didn't experience? Let me tell you something. My wife was here yesterday cleaning up the kitchen. She'll take out the trash. I was up here vacuuming. We're working together. She isn't going, ring, ring, ring. When are you coming home? Is that church taking you away again? No, we're working together. That's what praying about a godly spouse is about. It blesses me when I see husbands and wives here together. Let me tell you something. I'd love to have a church. Couple, 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 couple. Just families all over the place. And if you're dating, make this the foundation. Make Christ the foundation of your home and your life. Marriage does take three to make a go. Because without Christ, you have nothing. You don't have a foundation. There's no accountability. All is fair in love and war. Make Christ the number one priority to your life. This morning I'll be providing two points to this message. Get directions from the original design. And then two, follow the steps in the owner's manual. That helps for a better marriage. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word, for the encouragement. Father, may we move our lives into a place where we realize that it's about a relationship, not just me and my self and you and my individual time. Lord, we realize that comes as we have a relationship with you. But Father, may we also make it with our significant other, our spouse, to where we can enrich our lives and our families, where we can grow together. Lord, bless the couples that are here today. Bless the youth. Father, may you continue to guide and direct the youth's footsteps that they'll find somebody that's a godly young man or woman. And you'll, you'll bless them within their relationship and their marriage. Father, we thank you for it. In your name we pray, amen. People always say, you can always tell you've been married for 20 years. And I said, why? Because you and your wife dress alike. Well, that's true. Chandra Pierce says in one of her, her videos, and I love it, she says, you know, you've been married over 25 to 30 years. When you decide to be a mall walker and you look at your husband and go, honey, let's go put on our matching jogging outfits. So when you see your, when you see your pastor retire someday, head up to Chapel Hill Mall at 6 a.m. in the morning as Becky and I will be in our little matching Adidas outfits, right? <laughs> I'll no longer have to wear a purple tie with a purple shirt, right? And, uh, but you know, marriage is fun and it, and it is exciting and um, it, it's a wonderful roller coaster ride of life. Get directions from the original design. The process. We need to put away our amateur ideas and immature ideas of how to build a good marriage and start our extreme makeover with the divine design found in God's Word. Marriage makeovers are not simple. Anybody who has remodeled a home knows this. Now here's some points for you. We know that it takes longer than you planned. Can I hear an amen? 
It costs more than you ever figured. It causes more mess than you ever anticipated. And for, you like this, requires greater determination than you expected. Remodeling a marriage is no different. The only hope for having a successful marriage is to remodel it according to God's design and ask the master architect to help us do it. We cannot do it alone. You know, the, the couples that, that I love and I love to encourage, I love it. I love when they walk in my office and I get to pull out my book by Dr. Gary Chapman and give an advertisement. This is the five love languages. And have you practiced the five love languages? If you haven't, today's your first day. If you don't know what the five love languages are, every week I'm going to be recommending a book to you. And men, if you don't know what the five love languages are, and women, I want you to get it. There's five ways that we show love, and I've preached on it here before around February, and it was probably our first year here, so it was six years ago. And uh, they are acts of service, words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, and physical touch. That's the way we feel love, and that's the way we show love. And if we don't do one of those five things, then all of a sudden... Your little putt-putt car starts putting because then your love tank is not filled to overflowing. We must invest into the relationship. We must put in to that relationship. That's the process. Here's the review. God said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, if you'll turn there with me, please. Genesis you know what? I want to go to Genesis 1, verse 26 through 27 first. I want to just point that out to you. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And then he says this, and God blessed them. He gave them a gift right off the bat. He created them, and then he blessed them. And God said, be fruitful, multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Wow, that's amazing. Now, if you would please go to Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 23. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. I will make him a companion and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. There wasn't a companion. Isn't the Lord good to us? So what did he do? He created it. 
And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought. I'm going to go back to that. I want you to circle that. Brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. We notice in verse 18 it says, not good for the man to be alone. There was something missing, so he made the woman, which we found in part B. God described her as the helper that was suitable for him. And Adam needed a companion, but no suitable helper was found. The word helper actually means in there to assist another. The word for suitable means corresponding to him in harmony with him and completing him. Come on, man. You know you've texted your wife or she's texted you and you've said, Ah, you complete me. You just didn't realize you were speaking Bible talk, did you? But she's to complete you. God made the woman so that man might be complete. So God gave marriage in order to meet many of our deepest spiritual, emotional, physical, and psychological needs. Having placed a desire in Adam's heart, God took out one of the ribs to make him that suitable helper. Then notice that God brought her to the man. Unless the Lord God gives the gift of celibacy as a specific someone in mind for us, and the most important thing we can do is be the right person and pray for God's insight to know when he brings you the right person. Adam, here he is, recovering from, sur from surgery. He looks up and there's a missing part. He scans this perfect ten and says, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Based on the Hebrew, he really said, Wow, that's more like it. The divine design to pathway is the joy that you have by finding somebody that's special. If you'll notice, it says, And the Lord God brought, He brought Eve to Adam. Last night we were talking with our daughter Caitlin and you know she said you know dad it's amazing and here she's a senior and a lot of the premarital sex and so on and so forth that goes on within the high school community and one of the, the young people looked at her and says well we know who the virgin is in this class Caitlin said and so do I me she said you know what purity is where it's at and I taught my girls this Pray for that special someone. See, if God will bring Eve to Adam, you hear me, youth? God will bring that special someone to you as well. Maybe you're an adult and you've still said, you know what, I'm still praying and I still want God to bring that somebody I prayed for a lot of years. And as a young man, I knew how important it was. Although our pastor never even preached on marriage. He never ever said anything about it. 
I just knew just how important it was to make sure that the marriage was special and that there was some bonding there. Have you prayed about your relationship? Have you prayed about your special someone? You need to do that because God will give you a helper suitable for your life. Follow the steps in the owner's manual. In verse 24, I want to read it to you. It says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and they too shall cleave. The Bible says, Shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. They shall be joined together, and they'll be one flesh. Talk to you today about a noun. Three points. Severance, permanence, and unity. What does severance mean? It's a noun that means a personal or social separation. You've heard people say, I'd cut my arm off for you because I love you so much. I'd sever that arm. I'd separate that arm for you because I love you that much. Man shall leave his father and his mother. The Hebrew word for leave means loosening something or being free from someone. And a lot of marriage problems are the result when this principle is not followed. Now, I'm not talking about abandoning your parents or forsaking your parents. Nor does this mean that you can ignore your obligation to honor your father or your mother. It does mean that a husband and a wife must put each other first. You know what I'm saying? I think oftentimes the mother-in-law steps in and listen, mother-in-law and father-in-law. Let those two grow together. Can you encourage them? Can you pray for them? The best thing a mother and a father-in-law can do on both sides is to pray and encourage. I often think how excited I get when I think of my four daughters. Pat, you love that, don't you? We, we, we connect. Our four daughters someday will find a man. And I hope and pray that they'll say, I'm going to find that guy that has godly characteristics. And then after they do that, set some standards in their life. Young people, you have to set some standards in your life. Guard your purity. Guard your life. You shall cleave. You shall be joined together. The two shall become one flesh. I want to read this footnote because I just thought it was so moving within the Scripture. It said, God's ideal plan for marriage is one man for one woman for one lifetime. God's plan for marital happiness is evident when a man loves and leads his family with children who obey and reverence their parents. Ephesians 6, chapter 1, verse 3, 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. With a wife who respects and supports her husband's leadership. Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. It talks about husbands love your wives and wives honor your husbands. It doesn't say wives love your husbands, it says honor him. Men, you need to earn that respect. A mutually supportive attitude must characterize both husband and wife if they are to succeed in building 
a harmonious home. Here's the illustration. Marriage is so important in mind of God that it was the first of three divine institutions and was patterned to illustrate Christ's love for the church. He says in, in his word, Christ loved the church so much that he would die for her. He references the church as the bride. That's why we give. That's why we have an obligation as members of this church to take care of his bride. That's your responsibility. You know the last thing I want God the Father to do when I stand the great judgment seat for him to look at me and go, you know what? I entrusted you, Todd. I told you to take care of New Hope Christian Fellowship. And you let that ceiling fall in. And you let those steps deteriorate. And you didn't put a fresh coat of paint. You mean to tell me you couldn't get a gallon of paint to take care of my bride, the one that represents all of mankind? Let's put it down in simple terms for you men. If somebody messes with mama, papa ain't happy. And something's going down, you know what I'm saying? So here's what happens. You become protective. Just as Christ that loved the church, he protects his bride. There should be a level of honor and respect in the institution of the family and marriage. I love being married. I do. I could be quite humorous, but you have to come to discipleship class for that and, uh, and say something, but I won't. But you know what? I love the friendship. I love the memories. I told her the other day, you know what? You know you've been married for a lot of years when you look back on old pictures and you don't even recognize yourself. Is that me with you? And now I'm getting older and I have a road map on my head. You know, I mean, I could tell you how to get from Akron to Columbus all from my forehead. It's got so many wrinkles. That's getting old together. That's what it's about. We leave and we cleave. My mom's sitting here today. She knows Becky and I have worked on our marriage for 20 years. We understand the foundation of what leave and cleave means. We must work together. Number two, permanence. What does that mean? The property of being able to exist for an indefinite duration. Not temporary. The King James Version says, And shall cleave unto his wife. The word for cleave means to cling or to glue, to bond, to permanently fix. Marriage is to be a permanent bond. Jesus said, What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. You may kiss your bride. I love that part. I had to just write that in, in every one of my marriages. I love that. And then, then they kiss each other. Asunder means separation. Let nobody separate that love and that bond that you have for each other. Let me tell you something. If you're dating in this room, have you ever sat down together and said, let's write down some guidelines for our relationship. Let's write down some things that, you know what, I'd like to see you do. And listen to me when I tell you this. Grow in Christ. Grow together. We come to church, and if you're sitting like this, hi, babe, how you doing down there at the end of your pew? 
I hope by the end we're sitting together like this. Happy. Be thankful. There's some that are in this room that unfortunately had to get a divorce because you ended up going down two paths in life. And it was difficult. All you wanted was your spouse to sit with you in church. All you wanted was to allow Christ to fulfill your life and to make it something special. He wants to do that. Love what it says. Paul said, love never fails in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Honor God's word by working through difficulties, staying in your marriage and giving God a chance to work. God can restore your relationship and even the feelings you have lost. Listen to me. You might be on your second marriage. Work on it. Because you already heard me say this morning that there's a higher statistic and rate of divorce for the second marriage and even the third. So you work, 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 work and build that relationship. I was talking to a man on the phone last week. And I just pictured him. He said, you know, I get my truck. And I was so mad. I rolled down my windows. And he said, I screamed out that window. Satan, you're not going to get my marriage. Satan, you're not going to allow me to hate my wife. And today, I'm now going to start doing more for her than I've ever done. And that's how it starts. How many of you have seen Fireproof? There's a book in there called The Dare Book. It tells you for 40 days you do the dare. So every day, because again, we men are so worried about the workout that we forget to do some things for our spouse to enrich that marriage and encourage that marriage and help that marriage out. You have to invest. You have to realize what your spouse's love language is, the five love languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. If I didn't give an opportunity to put in a little advertisement, I'm, oh, I did, didn't I? The five love languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. Get it? It will change your marriage. Um, there was a time when I, I think it was like our fifth year or seventh year, Becky said, Todd, I just feel empty. I don't feel like I'm getting anything from our marriage. I just feel, you know, I, I'm just not, we're not connecting or something. And that's when we went to one of his first uh, seminars on the five love languages. And he's funny. He's, he's a character. But he brings it down to where it's just exciting to say, you know what? I need to realize my wife's love language. And it's helped us, hasn't it? It's helped us greatly. People will come to me and say, I don't want anything to do with him or her. And I always tell them, give me just a little bit of time. Give me five sessions and I'll help you love one another even more. I'll teach you what the five love languages have to say by Dr. Gary Chapman. You can find it at your local bookstore. And uh, it is the greatest tool that, you know what, and there's biblical principles because love never fails. It's always their turn with me. To Matthew 19, and then I'll go to the last point. Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6. People, I think, are a little bit shy about speaking on marriage because of the divorce rate and the divorce and remarriage. I don't care if you are on your third marriage in here. I want to say work on that marriage today. Work on it. Don't give up on it. It's too easy to do that. Verse 4 says in Matthew 19, And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? 
and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave. Oh, there's that word, shall be joined to his wife. And they, the two of them, twain, shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, two, but one flesh. But therefore, God is joined together. Let not man put asunder. Let us not separate that. And it's talking about Moses' command about divorce and remarriage. And I won't go into that today, but you can read it. And he talks about why did you give the letter of divorcement and so on and so forth. And talks about fornication. And, uh, you know, but what I want to focus on today is making sure that you stay and you endure. And you work through that. Point three in the last point. Unity. The state of being one. They will become one flesh. Remember Genesis 2.18 that God said, I will make a suitable helper for Adam. I will make him a helpmeet. Now, God never intended for you as husband and wife to become carbon copies of one another. But he does want you to both to be transformed into the image of Christ and move towards oneness. Adam and Eve were originally one, and now they could become one again in a new and better way. So can we, in a marriage relationship with God, he can be our helper. He can help us live in a better way. Mine and Becky's life, the state of being one, through marriage, through our goals, through our aspirations, through ministry, through rearing children, through new hope. I thought this through. We must, together as husband and wife, work on that marriage. We must, as husband and wife, work on the institution of marriage. I love being able to say, you know what? I know, honey, that we're different, but there's compromise. My senior year, I was in the sociology class, and I remember Mr. Graham saying to me, um, all right, we're all going to do different studies. What are you going to do yours on? And here I was, 17 years of age, and I wanted to do it on marriage. Do opposites attract or do, you know, people of the same likeness attract? And the statistics said opposites attract. Isn't that amazing? Because here's the reality. She doesn't want to be like me. And God knows I don't want her to be like me. And I don't want to be like my wife. But together, the two that become one can work on it together. We talk together. I've, always, I've met the, a couple couples. Probably more than a couple in my life. But uh, here's what they do. Let's go to dinner, honey. Okay, where would you like to go? I don't care. You choose. No, how about you choose? No, I'd like you to choose. No, you choose. No, I mean, I was thinking maybe, oh, no, how about you choose? Come on, would somebody make up their mind? The two different people shall become one. You'll work on it. You'll find out. Just make the decision. Just say, Roadhouse. Or better yet, let's go to Longhorn. Oh, that's my favorite place. Yes. Thank you, Jacob. And I uh, got an amen from a teenager down here. So, uh, but you know what? I'll tell you something. That's what opposites do. And we work and we mold together. Amen. I know it's difficult, but you can do it. Let me demonstrate. Let's go, honey. Okay, dear. And we walk him to the car. 
You like this, don't you? Come on. And you open up the door for your honey. The door opens. She sits down. And you close the door. You don't slam it on her. Come on now. You close it nicely. And you walk around the vehicle. And you get in it. And you drive down the road. She'll honor you when you show her love. How about this? I'm going crazy. These kids are like driving me up the wall. I can't handle it. He's got a poopy diaper and he wants to eat. And there's hubby. Oh, life's just real. Hey, babe, did you notice? No, the two shall work together. Hey, I do run a vacuum sweeper. I run a lot of vacuum sweepers. But I do run a vacuum sweeper, and uh, I clean. I even decorate trees in our house. And uh, we do all kinds of things. And we even asked Tracy and Sarah to come over and help us take down all those trees. And we did it, everybody, one day. Thank you, Lord. Becky said to me, and I'm guilty. You know what my wife said to me? Not once, but twice, maybe three times a lady. Remember that old song? So anyhow, I stayed there all day long. See, man, you can do it too. And I helped all day long. You know what she said? I'm glad that you didn't disappear. <laughs> I've done it. Oh, I think I got a hospital visit. I got to go check on this account or something. We need to work together. Please remember, as Christ is the head of our homes, please make him the head of our, our church, our lives, and especially our marriage. I want to read something to you. I, I read this at every marriage ceremony. Here's how we're going to end it today. My wife put it on the back of the bulletin today, and it says this, marriage takes three. I once thought marriage took just two to make a go, but now I'm convinced it takes the Lord also. And not one marriage fails where Christ is asked to enter as lovers come together with Jesus at the center. But marriage seldom thrives and homes are incomplete till he is welcomed there to help avoid defeat. In homes where Christ is first, it's obvious to see those unions really work for marriage still takes three. Marriage as God designed, it is the union of one man and one woman for life in Jesus Christ as the Lord of that home. But you can't have a Christian home without Christ and two Christians any more than you can have an apple pie without apples. If you want a Christian home, it must begin by both husband and wife giving their hearts to Christ and submitting to Him as Lord. I hope today that you'll learn the importance of marriage. Who that special someone is in your relationship. Go and grow together. It's wonderful and it's rewarding. Let's all stand as we pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you and we're grateful that, Lord, as, as we learn great principles from your word, that we'll learn and understand that marriage is fun and it's exciting. And Lord, it may not be fitting for everybody that's here today. But, Lord, I just pray that you'll help all of us to be able to grow, forgive each other, take certain little principles and grow by them. And, Father, maybe right now you'll 
put upon somebody's heart. Maybe another couple that's struggling to, to bring them to this Extreme Home Makeover series. As we move our hearts, not the bus, in the right direction. So, Lord, as we come to you and as we conclude this service and have a time of reflection, if there's somebody here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, may they come to you. Maybe they need baptized. May they show that outward profession to others. Lord, we thank you for each one here. And then, Father, maybe there's a husband and wife that just need to come to the altar and pray together. Maybe a boyfriend or girlfriend, and maybe establish some guidelines for that relationship. Lord, separate us. Help us not to become the statistic, because we are the Christian family. In your name we pray. Amen.